Oh, Father, that is such a great lesson for us to learn. It is a truth that we need to be reminded of constantly. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith in God Almighty, whose promises never fall flat, whose word is always fulfilled. Whether you're serving decades in Indonesia, whether you have a simple job here in America, we're to walk by faith, not by sight, and advance your kingdom wherever you've called us to serve and live. Help us to learn that lesson today, we pray, in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we all say the great Amen. I remember it well, several years ago, a few days before Mother's Day. I was going into the church and someone was coming in as well for another reason. It was a woman who looked at me and said, Pastor, I hope you're not preaching on the Proverbs 31 lady this Sunday on Mother's Day. She said, no one can live up to that standard. It always makes me feel like a failure. It's so depressing. (laughs) So I went to my study and changed my message. (laughs) But it really hit me. And I began to think from that day on, that it's really difficult for us to celebrate Mother's Day without acknowledging how difficult Mother's Day can really be. I came across this this week. When we do celebrate Mother's Day, let's be gentle. Let's celebrate with the women who have happy families. Let's remember the women, men, boys, girls who are hurt by bad mothers. Let's remember the mothers who have lost their children. Let's let's remember the women who long to be wives and mothers, but aren't. Let's come together and worship Jesus alone, not the idolized images of mothers. And yet I want to honor mothers today. I think from that experience, I, I probably stopped preaching Mother's Day messages on Mother's Day just for the fear of it all. So let's acknowledge that it's a difficult day for many. Let's elevate and support good mothers. Whether they're mothers of physical children or as many are who cannot have children, mothers of spiritual children. What a high and holy calling that is. But I also thought it might be wise to pick a mother who maybe is not so perfect like the Proverbs 31 lady. Let's find a flawed one. It's not hard to find a flawed human being. But we are in Romans, and as I was studying for Romans this week, there is one name that fits the bill, for in verse 19 of Romans 14, There is one woman mentioned, and her name is Sarah, who is as good as dead. 
that was referring to her having a child, but that's what Romans 4 says. We're not even going to go to Romans, but that was my excuse for jumping in to this Mother's Day sermon on Sarah. Abraham gets all kinds of pulpit attention, and we are going to get into the life of Abraham as he is a great example of what it is to believe and to be called righteous. But Sarah rarely is sermonized. Never preached a sermon on Sarah. In fact, when I did a little bit of study, I went to one book I have in my study that talks about Bible biographies, and this was the title, Character Studies of Some Biblical Lesser Lights. (laughs) How'd you like to be in that category? Here are the heroes of the faith, and then the lesser lights. And that's where Sarah was. But I think she needs to be resurrected out of that cave, that tomb. She is indeed one of the most significant individuals in all of human history. Flawed? But in the end, we find her in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's not all that bad. Today, as we think of Sarah, I want to praise God for women. And I'm so thankful that we have in this church so many godly women. Don't be ashamed of your God-designed and God-given gender. And don't let others squeeze you into their mold. Women are so different. Some can be retiring and shy, while others, like Deborah, of the Old Testament could lead an army. Some prophesy like the daughters of Philip. Some are entrepreneurs like the lady in Proverbs 31. Others, mothers of children. Others, as we stated, mothers of spiritual children. These rising up and calling them blessed. And in many places of the world, the church of Jesus Christ in a local representation doesn't exist without women. So let's praise God for women today. And maybe all of us can learn something from the life of Sarah as we open up our Bibles. Why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, although we're going to have a lot of significant scriptures up on the screen. Sarah, I think, in many ways is a perfect Subject for Mother's Day because everything in her life was intertwined with her being a mother. Both her ups and downs connected with it. And she started out rather good. Genesis chapter 11 is the first time that Sarah is mentioned. And she's called Sarai, which means princess. You have to remember that Hebrew names were given not only Uh, because of maybe a desire of a parent on a child, but also in the sense somewhat of the character that that individual was to display. Sarah is the half-sister of Abraham, which I know sounds weird, but in that day, a common practice as the world was being filled uh, and uh, with people by the command of God, They had the same father, Terah, but not the same mother. They were 10 years, uh, there was a 10-year differential in age, Sarah being the younger one. 
And she was so beautiful that pharaohs and kings wanted to marry her, even in her advanced years. She had good looks and what appeared to be a happy marriage, but people didn't really envy her because she was without a child. This is Genesis 11 and verse 30. Now Sarah was childless because she was unable to conceive. And apparently the burden's on her, not Abraham. We know it's not Abraham as he will father children later on. Motherhood seemed beyond her reach and that developed a a bitter anguish in her soul. The greatest sorrow, the ultimate reproach for a woman in that day was to be married but not have children. Someone did a recent study and they said 63% of women who have experienced both infertility and divorce say that their infertility is just as painful, if not more. In another study, women who have experienced chronic or life-threatening diseases rank the emotional pain of infertility on the same level as a terminal illness. Wow. Men, we have no comprehension of that. And so here she was carrying this burden, much like Elizabeth in the New Testament. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth? They're going to be the parents of John the Baptist, but the scripture tells us, Luke 1, verse 7, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. That was right after mentioning that they had obeyed the word of God and they were blameless but barren. And the wound and the pain of all of that was something they could not divorce themselves from. Remember, she is well past middle age when we are introduced to her. Abraham is about 70 years old, and we're going to find later that there's about 10 years difference. So that means that Sarah is about 60. When God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to go to another country. Think about the impact that that would have had on her. They went out not knowing where they're going. Abraham comes to Sarah and says, honey, I just, I have something I want to tell you. Uh, We're moving. And where are we going? I don't know. You're going to leave your family. Mine's coming. (laughs) But you're going to leave yours. We're going to live a nomadic life. It's a distant land. And oh, by the way, you're going to have a son. Now, I don't know when she got that message from Abraham, if it was when she was around 60 years old or maybe a decade later. But here's Sarah connecting to Abraham, and we read later on in the New Testament that she did well. She lived up to her name. It was in her nature to be a princess, And everything we can understand about her is that she sided up with Abraham in this nomadic life as a faithful companion, lightening his way, doubling his joys, dividing his sorrows, right there every step of the way. So they leave Ur of the Chaldees and they travel the Fertile Crescent, which would be going north, 
before they actually go south to the land of Canaan. And they come to the land of Haran, and this is verse 31 of chapter 11. Together they set out from Ur the Chaldees to go to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. And everything about this settling seems to be an unfortunate pause. Their destination, they had not reached. And they settled here for a period of time until Terah, father of Abraham, father of Sarai, died. And at the end of chapter 11, you've got barrenness and death and apparently being in the wrong place. So God comes back to them in chapter 12 and he appears to them, verse one, says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Now that might have been given, probably was given to him when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, but in chapter 12, they're still in Haran and they begin to take off from there. This is where Abraham hears of the Abrahamic promise of the great blessing. This is chapter 12, verse 2. We have this on the screen. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And of course, in this wonderful promise to Abraham is the promise that the seed of Abraham will get the land, and we read in Galatians chapter 4, the seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. So that's why we can say in John chapter 8, Jesus said, Abraham saw my day in the promise given to him and went forward in the hope of a Messiah and a kingdom. So the Bible tells us in verse 7 that the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord to the Lord who had appeared to him. And we can say over these years, however long it was, they might have spent five years in Haran, that's my guess. So maybe for a five-year period, faith is born. Faith begins its formation. Faith is developed. It takes root in their heart. And now God appears to Abraham and they're worshiping and they're building altars wherever they go. And they're going in light of God's word and it appears to me that Sarah is in lockstep with her husband. Which is what the New Testament indicates in the book of 1 Peter. Now, I want you to know something very interesting. God was talking to Abraham, but as far as we know, Sarah wasn't in on these discussions. Abraham would come to her and say, this is what God said. This is what God said. This is what God said. So when we come to chapter 12, verse 10, now there was a famine in the land of Canaan, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Verse 11 says, and they were about to enter Egypt, and he said to his wife Sarai, I know that you are a beautiful woman. Verse 13, say that you are my sister. <laughs> Do you know this story? Abraham's afraid that because his wife is so beautiful, at age 65. 
or 70. So beautiful that Pharaoh's going to want to take her into his harem. So he says, since that will probably happen, I'll, I'll get killed if they know there were husband and wife. So say you are my sister. And then they'll treat me well. And Sarah might say, what are they going to do with me? Well, you'll become one of Pharaoh's wives. And she went along with it. I don't think she was happy about it. I don't think she went along with it willingly, what women would. But in that day, you had to do what your husband had this, uh, told you to do. And by the way, this is the guy who speaks to God. And he just told me what to, what am I to say? Are you his sister? Yep, I'm his sister. Pharaoh and the officials notice this beautiful woman, put her into the harem. <laughs> what a louse, Abraham. Where is your faith? The thing about this is that Abraham does this not only once, but twice. In chapter 20. And then his son Isaac does the same thing. Bad acts are easily transferred from parents to children. But God intervenes, and Pharaoh has all kinds of problems, disease, barrenness, and somehow finds out that Abraham lied and says, how in the world, why did you lie to me about this? A half-truth is ever the worst of truths when you think about it. A half-truth. So deceptive, right? And we're good at half-truths. And we somehow think that it's really not a lie if it's partially true. If I just deceive. And so the Bible tells us that God rescued Sarah. I think that's the weakness of Abraham's faith, don't you? Where's your faith, dude? Maybe even going to Egypt showed lack of faith, but certainly giving up your wife. So we come to Genesis chapter 16, and this is 10 years after they arrived in Canaan. I don't know exactly how the trip to Egypt fits into that, but let's just say she's now 70 years old. She's had a promise for a decade, and it's still not fulfilled. Something about a son. And so verse 1 of Genesis 16, Abraham's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave, someone they picked up when they were in Egypt. Her name is Hagar, verse 2. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. I'll give you my slave. You sleep with her. Perhaps I can build a family up through her. Now, this was a very common practice. Uh, even in the scriptures, uh, a little different if, uh, if a man cannot bear children and he dies. If he has a brother, he's got to marry the man's wife, the older brother's wife, to carry on the name. But here they would sometimes uh, have their own families extended by having multiple wives. And Sarah initiates the thing, and Abraham agrees. <laughs> 
Abraham had a sinful plan and Sarah had to agree. Now Sarah has a foolish plan and Abraham agrees. And so there is with Hagar, the union of Abraham and Hagar, a birth. It's not surprising that Sarah's faith had weakened after waiting, what, 15 years, over a decade for a promise to be fulfilled? How, how long can your faith wait? Impatience wins out and we give in much sooner than a decade or a decade and a half. You see, God is seeking to grow our faith, but we are so weak Here is faith stumbling. Faith born and developing is now faith weak and stumbling. By the way, things often go wrong when you try to help God out with his plan. Something about a child, okay, I've got an idea. What a stupid idea. But we go forward. It's better far better for faith to wait upon God. There was a lapse of faith on her part and it was a common plan, God bad. Immediately there was animosity. When the child was born, Hagar despised Sarah. This is verse five. And Sarah said to Abraham, you're responsible for all this. (laughs) You're at fault. Yeah, maybe so. But it was her idea And I want you to know that these two people are great people of faith. What does that mean to you and me? We're going to fall. We're going to struggle. We're not always going to be on top. Faith is not always going to win. We're human beings who battle with this thing. And your faith is constantly going to be tested. What was her testing at the very beginning? She was barren and didn't have a child. But a promise came through. And now what's her testing in kind of this middle rough period of life? It's the fact that she's barren. And she wants to be a mom and whatever she does. She's, she's almost willing to do anything for that to happen. And now, 20 years later, or at least 20 years, they've been in Canaan. Abraham's 100, almost 100. Sarah is 90. Do you think she gave up hope? (laughs) So the Lord appears. This is Genesis 17. I don't have this on the screen. Abraham was 99. The Lord appeared to him. I am God Almighty, the Hebrew El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. By the way, put El Shaddai next to every promise of God and let your faith grow strong. El Shaddai. He says to Abraham, walk before me. Abraham fell face down in worship. And then he changed Abraham's name. Actually, it was Abram. Exalted father to Abraham, father of many nations. I will make you a great nation, I will give you the whole land of Canaan. And then God said to Abraham in verse 15, so Genesis 17, 15, as for Sarah, your wife, 
You're no longer to call her Sarai, but Sarah. Sarai is princess. I think Sarah is princess of many. Verse 16, I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. And Abraham laughed. Now, some say this was a laugh of faith. (laughs) I'm not so sure. Because he says right after that, let Ishmael be my son. Like, Lord, you know, that that boat's gone. It's departed. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm a hundred You made a promise, but wouldn't the promise still be fulfilled with Ishmael? And God says no. And this is brought to light very clearly in Galatians chapter 4 as a wonderful commentary on this section of scripture. The son will not come according to the flesh. The son will be according to promise. A miraculous son. So Sarah gets a name change. By the way, she now has a sacramental name along with Abraham, connected to the everlasting covenant that both of them will be parents of many nations and kings will come forth from them. And so, somewhere around this same time, we come to Genesis 18, and three heavenly visitors visitors come to the tent of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah's in the back because Eastern etiquette said that she would not spend time with the men as they would sit out and talk. But she was involved in helping serve the meal. Abraham was doing all he could to present a wonderful feast for these visitors, which was customary, but he sent, sensed something different about these angels. One of whom, who is called Lord, In the text, we have an Old Testament appearing of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? Abraham's seed is talking to Abraham. And so they prepare the meal and everything, and and they bring it out. And the scripture says that, uh, that the men said about this time next year, will return, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah wasn't with them, but she was listening at the entrance of the tent behind the curtain, and she heard what was said. Abraham and Sarah were already old. Sarah was well past the age of child-bearing years. By the way, she had two problems, didn't she? She couldn't conceive infertility, and now she's past human ability to have a child. And so when she hears this, verse 12, chapter 18, Sarah laughed and thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, am I now gonna have this pleasure? It was a bitter laugh out of a scarred hope and a broken heart over decades. Her faith, had dwindled in that promise. And the one who kept telling her what God said was the one who showed himself at times less than faithful. She was astonished at what it said, skeptical at best, but there was something in the guest words that caught hold of her, especially when the guest 
said to her, Sarah, why did you laugh? He said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh when I said that? Is anything too hard for God? This is Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for God? Let me ask you that question. Is anything too hard for God? I am El Shaddai. It's an outrageous promise. But so is the promise that we are righteous because of Jesus. And that we will have heaven. Outrageous. If it were not given by the God who never lies. And has all power to fulfill what he has promised. And he reiterates about this time next year or at the appointed time next year, Sarah will have a son. And when Sarah was found out and exposed, she said, I didn't laugh. So she laughs in unbelief and now she lies to cover her laughter. Boy, it sounds really bad. Pastor, when are you gonna help us women out here? I mean, at this point, horrible example. But something happened. She believed. This is the first time she heard God speak herself. Everything else was coming through Abraham. This is the first time she, she maybe really grasped this is the word of almighty God. Something different about this guest. And when you go to the book of Hebrews, it says she believed she was strengthened to conceive because she believed. Before the birth, she embraced and engaged the word of God. By faith, even Sarah, when she was well past childbearing years, the scripture says, was enabled to conceive and bear a son. Because she considered the one who promised faithful. Isn't that good? Here's the message to every one of us on Mother's Day. Whether you're a mother or not. When faith is born in the soul, it will be severely tested. And we must trust the one whose word never fails and embrace his promise and walk by faith and not by sight. Somewhere along the line, she said, you know what? I was wrong. I believe the promise of God. It's my personal faith in the word that I heard. And faith became strong in her soul. Remember after the Boston Marathon and the bombings took place? Remember that horrible time? And a motto came out that they still use today, Boston Strong. I like that. How about after years of tough testing, and in the end, faith strong. The testing of your faith it is designed to produce patience. What is patience? The ability to trust God when his promise has not yet been fulfilled. Patience. 
I believe God is. I believe God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without this faith, it's impossible to please him. And therefore, I wait on God. Faith strong. I'm sure she had her moments after that, as we all do. But this is a fantastic finish. She is mentioned in the book of Galatians as the mother of us all in an allegory that Paul uses of the two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, of the two mothers, Hagar and Sarah. There are two covenants. One is the law that speaks of death and the present Jerusalem, which is all about death. And the other is the Jerusalem from above, which is the mother of us all, referring to Sarah on that line of the son of promise, Eve was the mother of all the living and Abraham the mother of all or Abraham the father of all who believe and Sarah the mother of all who are children of the promise. That's a great title. And in 1 Peter the scripture says she did well. Spurgeon had a message on that. She did well as a wife. She did well as a hostess. She did well as a mother. Most of all, she did well as a believer. So your life is going to be up and down. Read Romans 7 and 8 when we get there. It will be quite a roller coaster. But may we come through the end faith strong. So what happens in Genesis 21? <clears throat> a son is born. Isaac is born. Hey, you guys won't believe this. Did you hear that Sarah just had a baby? No, I'm not kidding. Old Sarah, yeah, old Sarah. Go down there. She's as happy as could be. She lived for 37 years with her son. And then she died, Genesis 23. What happened in the middle is Genesis 22 where Isaac was offered up by Abraham on Mount Moriah. Remember that? I don't know if this is true, but tradition says that Sarah died of a broken heart when her son was taken away to be sacrificed. Doesn't sound like a woman of faith. And it's only tradition. But how hard that must have been even if she would have known he would come back from the dead. Sarah's is the first grave, the first funeral, the first mourning that's mentioned in the Bible. All about Sarah and Abraham's great loss. What do we learn? Well, we learn that faith is essential. That your faith will be severely tested and at times stumble. But strong faith is the result of believing in an almighty God and hearing his word. Only God can quicken faith in your heart. I can't dilate my pupils, but I can look at the sun and that will have an effect. I can go in the dark and it'll have the reverse effect. I can't quicken my faith and grow my faith, but I can go to the word and pray to the Lord and through those means of grace, faith be strengthened. And when I'm tested, 
learn to trust. Not in the plans, contingencies of man, but in the promise of an almighty God who cannot lie. And in the end, she becomes a great example of a great mom and of a great believer. Courage and faith grow in steps. If you want to pick up a 50 pound bag of, of let's say rice, maybe a difficult thing for you to do, but if you were to work for a, a week or so with five pounds and then 10 pounds and then 20 pounds, you could build yourself up to the 50. Faith is kind of like that. God grows our faith incrementally. And what you're going through right now, and I know you're going through it, because so am I, is God growing our faith. And without it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Happy Mother's Day to all the people of faith. Let's pray. <clears throat> So Lord, we honor these women of God that you've given to us as friends and mothers and wives, daughters. We honor them and pray for them in this godless world that we will protect them and stand up for their virtue. And as we pray for the women today, we include all people all believers, that we would grow in our faith and see you as almighty God and embrace your promises so that you might be well pleased and your name glorified on planet earth and that we might receive the promise. Amen.